Okay, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Overcome Become podcast. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, Humberto Kaufman. And today we have a very special guest, two-time Olympian, um, Jack Factory and dark sport athlete, and by far the most impressive IFBB pro out of India. We have Guan Shauhan. How are you today, sir? Good. Thanks. I don't know how you're doing. I'm doing great, man. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I can't tell you enough how excited we actually are to just have somebody like yourself on the podcast, especially at such a young age. You're 25, I believe now. Oh, sorry. What? I said, especially at a young age, you're 25. I believe. Oh, I'm 27, actually. Yeah. Jesus, 27. Okay. The time's gotten away from me. <laughs> yeah. Getting older, getting older. <laughs> absolutely, man. So tell me, someone like yourself at a young age, moving from another part of the world, like India to Canada to pursue schooling and engineering, correct? Yeah. What? was the biggest difference for you to go through something like that and then become a full-time bodybuilder? Like what, what was the catalyst that made, made you take the plunge? I think the biggest thing was when I came here, I was always involved in sports back home and uh, especially in high school and pretty much all my schooling years. So when I came out here for university with my engineering course load, uh, the way my classes were um, organized, I didn't really have any time to uh, play any kind of sports. And uh, that kind of like, okay, what do I do if I can't play sports? Then I still need some physical activity. And that's when I started getting towards the gym. I'm like, okay, well, my classes, my labs are done at 9 p.m. The only thing I can really do after 9 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays is go to the gym. And I didn't have any knowledge or anything like that. I started working out two months before I came to Canada, uh, back in India, where my uncle was kind of like teaching me a few things. But I still had no no knowledge about diet, no knowledge about exercises. So I kind of just self-taught myself while I was studying in my first year, first semester, and just kind of just went with it, researched online, made some programs, just kind of just went along with the flow and just had nobody made it mistakes you know injured myself a few times my brachialis my shoulder used to always hurt because I'm trying to like not like not having my elbows tucked in while doing shoulder presses or like trying to go too heavy on like bicep exercises so it was just a very trial and error kind of approach to it and then as soon as uh, my first year was done I felt like I had a good um, good base of how um, the nutrition works how how the exercise works and I kind of just fell in love with the process and after that it was just about um, balancing it with school and balancing it with part-time jobs and uh, all of that but being in school being an international student who was on scholarships uh, bodybuilding was kind of becoming more of a more of an expensive sport so I couldn't really do much outside of just looking good for myself and just doing everything online. Coaches weren't as common back then. I couldn't even afford one. Supplements, not really. So it took me a while to be comfortable, which was after I actually graduated is when I also thought about competing because at that time, uh, men's physique was coming out in 2014. I graduated in 2015. So I had a year of just observing what men's physique is. Uh, some of the guys I was always into, Jeff Sai, Steve Cook, and all these guys were competing for the first time, not just being a fitness models. So I was like, I always wanted to be a fitness model. That's why I started lifting in the gym. I was always uh, lean. I never really went for the more bulky, like muscle look. I just wanted to stay lean around. And uh, when I saw them doing that, I'm like, okay, maybe I can do this too. And I went to a bodybuilding show back in uh, 2000, uh, I think 14, um, a year before I graduated, I saw bodybuilding. And I'm like, okay, this is actually pretty impressive. I had no idea what bodybuilders are. I had never looked up to any bodybuilding competitions. I had no no interest in any of the, the muscle look. I was always about the fitness model look. So when I graduated, I had the money. I was working as an engineer. I needed some, something like an outlet. 
which is more than just a nine to five job. So this became my outlet and it gave me like a very good aim to focus for that. Hey, after my work, this is my focus. Like I need to get ready for a show. So I planned a year in advance. I kind of like started gaining more muscle and then I kind of went on to do a show. I hired a coach to help me prepare for the show. And um, I did the show and I won. And that to me was like, this is good. But that's it. I didn't want to compete anymore. For me, it was like, I just want to see where I am. I won. Great. Now I can go party and I can just go look good, just maintaining this. But the judges at the show actually um, told me to do another show, which was in two weeks, which was the Alberta Provincials. Back in the time, there was local, uh, <clears throat> provincial, and the nationals. And there was only two pro cards, uh, one pro card actually at the national back then. So uh, they kind of told me to do the show in two weeks. And I had a vacation planned for Vegas in the middle. So the one week after my first show and one week before my second show, I had a vacation planned. So I'm like, well, I didn't really plan for any of the shows. I just wanted to look good for my vacation. That's it. So they're like, no, you should really do it. That's a big show. Uh, I think you have the right shape and genetics for this. I'm like, um, damn, okay. Well, then I went on to do my vacation while I was on prep. So I was in Vegas carrying Ziplocs of fish and spinach because I was pretty much on peak week at the end of that week. And I, I had spinach and fish in my pockets. Wherever I'm going, I'm actually just eating out of Ziplocs, organize all my meals, stuff like that. It was actually EDC, which was the uh, Electric Daisy Carnival at, at <laughs> Vegas that was a festival. So while at the festival, I was eating my all these meals and taking Ziplocs of food inside the festival in my crotch telling my girlfriend at the time to put her in her, it's somewhere in her purse to, you know, so smuggle it in so I can eat. Because the biggest issue was I need to eat every two and a half hours, no matter where I'm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's how that happened. And then I went on to the provincials, which was, I won that again and I won overalls in it. And that was against a lot of guys who've been competing at national level. So that was the first time. And I realized, I think maybe uh, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. That this is my destiny that I want to do this because I'm good at it. So then I made the goal of becoming a pro. I had no idea what a pro card was before that. I didn't really care about pro or anything like that. I just wanted to compete just like that. So when I wanted to turn a pro is when I started thinking about how I'm going to go forward. I took a whole year and then I went did nationals. I came second at nationals. And uh, then I did another show, which was the only other show in Canada to get a pro card eight weeks after, I think 10 weeks after, and I turned pro there. So basically in 16 months, I went from like never wanting, not knowing what pro card is to actually turning pro because I just wanted to do it and I was good at it. And after that, I was like, okay, now that I'm a pro, I am not going to stop it here. I want to go to the Olympia. And I told myself that I'm going to allow myself two years. So not one year because I was realistic that, okay, I need more time and I want to see how I am as long as I can play stuff five at my pro debut. Um, I think I have it in me to, to go to the Olympia. So I did my first show the next year at Van Pro and I came fifth at my pro debut. And I was like, okay, I'm happy. I was super happy because I'm like, this is what my goal was. I never said I want to come top three, never said I want to be first. For me, I was like, I want to be top five. That shows me that I can go to the Olympia because the top first four guys were already Olympians. So I was like, okay, let's do this. And then I gave myself another year and um yeah and then i had to do five shows but i got to the olympia and uh, that's how the journey began and now it's just there's no stopping it's very interesting how uh kind of like going back to this amazing story how that one comment from that one judge or person 
could potentially change the course of the rest of your life because at that point you basically had in mind i'm just going to i just want to do this one show then that's it but yeah. then that little catalyst that little comment that little motivation and look at yourself now right like had you do you think you would have gotten back to competing without that person kind of like pushing you to the next show i probably would have waited to do the show next year because mm -hmm. in my mind i was always i was never the biggest guy on stage and in my mind i was like okay i did the local show i was actually one of the smallest guys even at the local stage and i won which is great okay i may have i'm conditioned i worked hard in my mind i was like i've put in everything i had in this prep and i know i worked hard so that's why i got rewarded but to get to win the next level which is provincial i need to be bigger so in my mind, I was like, I need to put on some size to go on to do that. Two weeks is not enough. Mm -hmm. So that's why I had no interest. But then when he said that, no, no, you should still do it. You have a good chance. I'm like, well, it's not really going to hurt me. Yeah, it hurts my vacation. It hurts my plans. But it's a challenge. And I always love challenges that, okay, it's a challenge to do all this during in Vegas. I'm like, okay, let's see how it goes. I'm going to try my best. And yeah, everybody was shocked at the time because they all saw me dancing and they all saw me like having a vacation, but they didn't really see that I was actually eating all these meals and never really yeah. skipped any of that, which was hard, super duper hard, but it was rewarded again. So it kind of becomes more like an obsession that um, when you work hard, when you give your all and you know that you're not leaving any stone unturned, you're going to get rewarded at the end. Absolutely. And the proof is in the pudding. I mean, obviously, that's it. That 16 months, it speaks that's volumes. It. That's it. I, I have a question. And for me, it's what was the biggest difference? Was it the pro card that pushed you to quit your full-time job altogether and pursue this full-time? Or was it um, taking so on I always, I always wanted to be a fitness model, as I said. like when I, I think it was two years into training and lifting when I figured out some of the models that I was uh, watching at the time, I was like, huh, this life is really good. What they're doing, like, this is fun. And they're not working on anything like that. I'm like, huh, I want to be, maybe one day I'll be a sponsored athlete. That's what my goal was. Maybe one day I won't have to buy my own supplements and stuff like that. So when I first, when I first won my show, my first two shows, I got an offer from a company uh, that was more of an ambassador program, not really a sponsored program, wherein they give you free supplements in return of some posts and stuff. So I was like, okay, this is great. At least for the first time in my life, I don't have to spend money on supplements and stuff because that was a big expense as a student. So I, I was pretty, it was fulfilling. And I'm like, okay, what is the next step? How are these guys doing it? So I started researching more about all these other athletes who are doing it full time, like Sadiq Hadzovic. And there was like some of these more, more, more popular ones. I'm like, huh, I actually really want to be a fully sponsored athlete and live that life that these guys are living and that will also allow me when I turn pro I was like this is the only way that I can actually maybe aim to be at the top one day because if I were to juggle my engineering job with doing multiple shows a year as a pro I don't think it's going to happen because it's so demanding. It's not just like a regular job that it's done in eight hours because it's constantly using your mind. It's even after work, you have to do it. So it's a very demanding job. And with that, when you're in peak week, when you're doing like all these shows, maybe one show a year, I was competing all pretty much all throughout my engineer life as an uh, engineer and competing all these shows. But um, it was hard because peak weeks, you got to take the whole week off. So your vacation, you get three weeks of vacation or two weeks went on doing two week peak weeks. So mm -hmm. you don't really get time for yourself at all because that's how hard it is. So I'm like, okay, I really need to see what I can do. And if my goal is to get to the Olympia, I'm going to be all in. There's no doubts in my mind that I can't get there. I knew for a hundred percent fact that I will get there. So I have to make the choices that lead up there. So the first choice was that I cannot, I'm 
a new pro, nobody knows me. I need to put my name. I need to make my name from scratch. Amateur is different. You can be, you can turn pro and still be nobody at the pro level because that's how competitive that is. So in order to become someone at that level, I need to be all in. And I was like, okay, this is it. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to put all my focus and energy into just resting, sleeping, eating, training, and thinking 24-7 about my one goal. I don't want to think about work. I don't want to think about meetings. I don't want to think about friends. I only want to think about one thing every single day, 24 hours a day. And through that, through the manifestation that I had on a daily basis, I believe that's what really helped me to get there in the timeline that I told myself that I want to get there. That's very interesting. Um, now, my question would be this, this type of mindset that you have currently, and that is very necessary for, you know, for someone to be at the top of their game and the mindset being going all out and believing in yourself. Is this something that you, you, you think that you're born with, or is this something that in your case, for example, you developed over your life experiences that kind of started to build up into the level of confidence that you currently have? I think it started at, at a very early age. I think since I was pretty small, I've always been super competitive. And um, I remember like all these stories my parents tell me when like I was three or four years old and I was in kindergarten and all these like small school groups where they have races and all that. And I was like, I used to never give up like I would fall back and I would like keep going like it doesn't matter how much it hurts me so I kind of feel like it was always there that I was all in like it doesn't matter what happens I'm going to finish it and I want to be the best at it and that kind of got amplified as I grew up and with my mom always pushing me to be the best to whatever I do so it's like okay if you for example if you score 95 percent um, I'm going to reward you with this. So I kind of grew up in a reward-based um, upbringing, which was perfect for a person like me who is very competitive because I always have, okay, if I do this, I get this. If I do this, I get that. Mm-hmm. So that I became that was in the childhood and like early years. In teenagers, it became more of, okay, if I achieve all of these things, then I put myself in a better position. For example, it could be something as being the president of the student council at school or, you know, being, uh, being top ranked in the country and things like that. So it kind of really pushed, continued to push me that I always, no matter what I do, I want to do it to the best of my ability and to become the best in that that one thing that I want. So I kind of tried different, different things all throughout my school life that what I'm good at. I played every single sport. I played every single activity that there is just to understand that what I'm actually good at. If I'm not good at something, I would stop. But what I'm good at, I will actually continue to do it more to get better at it. So that's how I feel with even the bodybuilding. I took it kind of slow that I was, I knew that I'm good in the sense that okay I know how to train and I had a lean build but I never really thought that this is going to be something that I'm going to be competing with people but because I had that competitiveness in me and I saw that I won it really pushed me to keep working harder in this field and all of this kind of just aligned that this is what I want to do because it keeps me uh, on that competitive edge. So one thing that really shows your determination by far by by a mile it stands out obviously especially with some of the sponsors that you have like dark sport for example um to my understanding they seek certain people out it's not really the other way around where you can just approach them so one thing that i'm very curious about is what was your biggest sacrifice during any of your preps so far like were there personal um 
friendships or relationships that were affected by like the Olympia prep or maybe something that was affected with like, you know, missing birthdays, for example. I only ask because I know, and I could speak for anyone who's a competitor, like you're going to miss out on some important things because, well, you can't really eat or drink or enjoy certain things. Yeah. So I like to believe that I'm the most disciplined person I know. And that comes with an that definitely comes with a lot of um, sacrifices in terms of socializations and um, friends and relationships and things like that. And I've, I've always kind of sacrificed that aspect of my life even before I started competing because being an international student, I was under a lot of pressure to continue on, to hold on to my scholarships, to maintain a 3.6, 3.7 GPA, to, to be only able to maintain the, the financial help that I was getting from the university and also to secure a job after graduation as an international student is very important because where are you going to stay? Who's going to pay for the expenses and all those things? So because I went through that at a young age, I came here when I was 17. So all those first four years of engineering kind of like, okay, I can't socialize. I can't really do all these activities that a lot of other students are doing because I need to build my life. And that's my priority. That's what I want. Everything else comes second. So that I feel is what built um, that work ethic and discipline to go on to the whole competing side of things. And um, when I was working and I was competing, I don't think I even met any of my friends for an entire year because I was so busy. Eight, Monday to Friday, eight hours, you're doing that. Saturday is grocery shopping, meal prep. Sunday is one day that I'm actually resting. I'm probably sleeping 14 hours because I don't get to sleep at all during the weekdays because you're going to the gym three, four hours a day, working nine hours a day, doing a all those things were taking so much of my time that there was nothing else that I could really do. So no activities, nothing like that. And because I competed pretty much uh, two, three shows every year, it just wasn't happening. So now, now that I'm a full-time athlete and I have more time in my hand, it's also more, I'm also under more pressure because what a lot of people don't really realize and what I didn't know is that, yeah, the athlete life is great. Which you make your own schedule, you're getting paid for sponsoring supplements and you're just living the life, posting some photos on Instagram. It is, but the thing with this life is that it's super competitive. So if I take a chill day out, if I, let's say, miss a meal, in my mind, I'm always thinking, what are these other guys? I mean, I, if I was 15th at the Olympia, what do I have to do to be the first and those 14 guys, what are they doing different? Are they ahead of me? Or are they behind me? Maybe I am outworking them, but they have better genetics than me. So they have better talent. But over time, if I can do that one day, I can get ahead every month that adds up to 12 days every year that adds up to 60 days for five years. Now I'm ahead of them in terms of how disciplined I was in that time frame, And maybe that's the reason why I will beat them i may not beat them through the talent but i may beat them through the days that they fall off and i don't so that mentality keeps you in a lot of pressure that hey i can't really chill there's i have lots of time to do that once you retire do whatever you want nobody really even cares about you so this is the time to be at your 100 person game so at least to put myself in a position that, oh, hey, that if I didn't become Mr. Olympia, if I didn't get to the top three, top five level, maybe it was my talent, not my work ethic, because talent I don't have much control over. That's just genetics that's been given to me. But work ethic, I have 100% control over. And I don't want to be in a position that, hey, I missed at 10 days, I was I missed my diet or I didn't give 100% in my training or because I was hanging out with my friends and having a fun time drinking beer um, is why... I didn't get to the top. That's one feeling I can't live with. 
I just want to be sure that whether I am top five, top three, top 10 or whatever level I am at before I retire, I gave it my everything and there was nothing more that I could have done. That's very interesting because I think uh, even though uh, genetics, of course, play a certain role in, in the sport, I feel like there's a tendency lately to attribute a little bit too much when it comes to the genetics and some people when it comes to making a decision of whether they want to pursue something or push harder. It's almost like they encounter this safety net in which they convince themselves that because they don't have the best genetics, they cannot achieve the the, the things that other people in the sport have. Whereas, as, as you're mentioning, there's always, there's potentially always someone that has perhaps slightly better genetics than you, but that person without the discipline and the consistent hard work is only going to be able to get so far. And once they cap that, the person that has been consistent with the work, even though they might not have 100% genetics as the other person may have, they may be able to slowly surpass them when it comes to uh, the finish line. Oh, 100%. I coach a lot of guys now and I see that I see that very common that most guys who are actually genetically gifted don't work as hard as the guys who are not. It's mm -hmm. actually the guys who are least genetically gifted who work the hardest. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of always found it amusing and I always like try to push these guys you have the world is in your hand you have all these genetics that you're made for but you don't work as hard if you did you're unstoppable and it's funny how that works because it's the guys who are actually genetically gifted and who work 100% hard who actually end up becoming the pioneer of any sport that they're in because just the talent itself is not going to do it. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, I think it's very common in every sport, not just in uh, bodybuilding, that a lot of people just take it for granted. And they, they may have the talent for that sport, but they don't have the mindset. for. Uh, I can see that being potentially very frustrating for you as a coach, seeing these people with amazing genetics and not really fulfilling their potential, almost like throwing it out because they're like just not fully invested. And you know, because you've been yeah. in the sport and you have a certain degree of knowledge, you know how far the, these people could potentially get to. You almost want to just force them, but you can't. Like you just have to yeah. allow, because they, they are the ones that have to really want it. You can't want it for them. So I, in my experience as well, coaching some people, I, I've experienced this and it's incredibly frustrating because you're just yeah. like, man, like you can reach for the stars, but you just, you're just playing, you're just playing around. Right. Exactly. It's um, yeah. It's funny how that works. It's, it's frustrating, but I feel it's, you can see the guys with gifted and who are having that work ethic, who won't take much time to get to the top mm -hmm. um, because they have both those abilities. And I feel like in any field, whether even if you're in a, in a corporate field, you'll see the guys who have both that, go up to the top to become VPs and CEOs versus the guys who may only have one thing. Mm -hmm. So what's one lesson then, since we're talking about coaching specifically, what's one lesson that you always try to provide to, let's say, competitors that are knocking on the door at the national level for a pro card? What's something, whether they're genetically gifted or not, that you try to pass down? I always preach that you, you want to want what you want hard. Like there's nothing more that should be important in your life than that goal. So when people compete for pro cards, a lot of people say, oh, I want to be a pro and they, they want it. But looking back, I always ask them, I'm like, did you really give it your all? Like, can you be honest with yourself for a second and actually answer that question that was there anything? It could be rest, it could be sleep, it could be your, your uh, 
meals, it could be your training, it could be your cardio. In the entire 12, 14, 16 week prep, or let's even say a year, because to be really honest, goals like that don't really happen in 12, 14 weeks. It happens over years. So in those years, did you really give your 110% where you were 100% every single day? Or did you slip? Sometimes life happens. I can understand you get sick, your family issues happen, all that. Okay. But did you make a choice, a, a conscious choice to slip or not? If the answer to that question is, yeah, maybe I fucked up two days or two, three days. Well, guess what? There's another guy who probably did it. And that's why you're not a pro. Would you would you agree uh, with the statement that your definition of hard work has evolved through the years and as you step to different levels? Um, I think the hard work stays the same, but the which where I'm putting the work has changed, where the hard work is to be put in has changed because priorities have changed. And hard work is more like if a task is given to you, you're going to just do it no matter what at the best uh, optimum consistent level. And um, yeah, so a lot of people don't really get that what really hard work is like they can do it for a couple days, couple months, but then they kind of slip off. But consistent hard work is what it takes to be at the top of anything. And I'm not saying I'm at the top of this game or not, but if you see that amongst any of the guys who have become Mr. Olympia, like all the bodybuilders, all the sportsmen, any sport you can talk about, basketball, Michael Jordan, Kobe, you'll see that there's something in common, that they always work more than the guys at the same level, despite them having more talent. So they're working hard, even at that level, because they know that to maintain that, to ensure that they're at that position, they have to outwork the others. Very, very good way to put it, actually. Um, and I think that would apply to any sport or even the corporate world, really. But same in any field, yeah. Anything, anything you want to be successful in. Mm-hmm. So sh- shifting gears a little bit, Buon, because I'm, I guess I'm a bit of a fan and I want to know, how did the dark sport deal come about? So dark sport, I joined last year in December. And with the dark sport, I remember 2019, I went to the Olympia. Um, actually, before the Olympia, when I was competing at the shows, I had to do five shows to qualify for the Olympia 2019. So um, I was competing at all these shows and I um, started making uh, contacts with other athletes who were at the top, who were with dark sport. And I came across the brand and I was like, really, um, I really loved the concept that they had about family and Ohana and like how they were doing these photo shoots with all these guys and the kind of the the message that they preached about never fucking give up and uh, it's just all of that kind of resonated with me but I did not contact them because I knew that 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 both pack that they have I don't belong there yet I have to prove myself to be at that caliber so I'm not going to waste their time and I'm not going to waste my time the last thing I want is to be disappointed I don't like being disappointed I'd rather work to get to that level and then see and belong there versus just me trying to reach out to them like, here, here I am, I'm a pro, I'm trying to go to the Olympia and this and that. Can you sponsor me? Or like, oh, I really love your brand. No, I just don't do that. So I'm like, okay, not now, maybe next year, maybe in a while. So um, I saw Carlos from Brazil that became a member of that pack that year who was, I was who actually I did a show with and I was at the Olympia with. And I went to their booth at the Olympia and I kind of saw what they were doing. And I uh, spoke to the owner, just like a regular, I never said anything that I'm interested in the brand or anything. I just appreciate the brand, love competing love your um, message that you sent across and all that. And that's it, left it there and then went on to do my work. And I'm like, okay, now I have to, to prove myself again. So it was only after I did my show last year, Border States that I won, that I, after that I contacted them. It's like, okay, because I believe that now I've beaten a lot of their athletes. I have been to the Olympia twice because I qualified twice in a row. 
And now I can reach out to them and try to tell them that, hey, like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm good at. I resonate with your brand and I would love to be a part of it. And they kind of just, um, they had an interview process and all those other things that they have. And then they just took me on and here I am. That's awesome, man. What was, uh, I know they do like the, the black and white photo shoot for the initiation and all that stuff at the, the circle of posing. What yeah. was that like for you? It was really good. It was definitely a great experience. I saw that. Uh, I saw that shoot happening actually in and uh, um, when they did it for Carlos the year before. And I've seen other photo shoots that they've done. I also want to be like part of that. It was really fun. It was the day after the Olympia and uh, really exciting. And just seeing all these other guys just uh, hyping you up and just welcoming you in the uh, in the team. It's just. It was definitely a really good memory, and I can't wait to uh, continue doing more shoots. I was actually supposed to do another shoot this year, um, March or April, I think April. And uh, because of the restrictions in Alberta, I couldn't really fly. And now they have a shoot um, in the coming months that I'm excited to, you know, go for. That's, a, that's amazing, man. Well, congrats on all that success. We always, I guess, have this little question for all of our guests, and it's uh, if you could train if anybody past or present, uh, who would it be and why? Past or present, like from the industry or? Yeah, just anyone, whether it's a coach or an athlete from, you know, the early Olympias in the 80s and the 90s or whatever. I would train, one of my biggest inspirations um, has always been Dorian Yates. And the only person I would want to train with is actually Dorian Yates. And uh, lucky enough for me, one of one of my goals was that he's also part of dark sport. So maybe mm -hmm. one day I'll get to meet him. And uh, one of these shoots that you're going to have, I'm sure I'm going to have come across him and try to get a workout in with him. That's awesome, man. I really hope that happens for you too. And I think Kevin Lebron is also part of dark sport now as well, correct? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He just got initiated as well. Yeah. A lot of legends in one room. Mm -hmm. um, well, Buon, I want to say thank you so much for the time, man. Um, best of luck this year if you are competing in any upcoming shows. And thank you again for just coming on and sitting down and chatting with us. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me here. Really enjoy the talk. Absolutely. Did you want to shout out any of your sponsors at all? Obviously, this will be on YouTube and Spotify by the end of the week. Yeah, I'm sponsored by Jack Factory and um, the Dark Sport and Father Son. So if you guys want to check it out, my code is BUVON, B-H-U-W-A-N. And uh, Oh, we love Father Son. So yeah, we'll be definitely we'll spend that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm associated with some of the good brands and I kind of pride myself with who I associate myself with. I took my time to, you know, choosing these brands and now I'm just, um, I'm glad that I can stay with them. So I hope you guys enjoy these brands. <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, uh, sir. You have yourself a fantastic weekend and we hope you enjoy the sun. Mm.